So welcome to another episode of the Illamoral Bulldogs Fan Podcast. I'm Matt, and once again, Scotty's alongside me. How are you, Scott? I'm good yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, got a few announcements today, plus uh, some news. Yeah, uh, would you like to enlighten us with the announcements? <laughs> so, uh, from this episode onwards, we'll be moving to fortnightly episodes throughout the off-season and pre-season until um, the NRL season starts to build back up heading into the 2020 season. It's it's sad, isn't it? <laughs> well, it simply sucks. It does it does offer us the opportunity to um, uh, think about and work on the podcast itself going forward. And uh, we've invested in some uh, a little bit of technology for the new year, so the, the podcast might sound a bit different next year. But, yeah, that's um, exciting. But it's we'll keep that exciting. under wraps. It's definitely exciting, that uh, the uh, new technology, but it sucks. It's off-season. It's, like, officially there, like, you know, when you don't have enough content <laughs> to talk about weekly. We're getting at a stage where people are saying we should have made two episodes a week. That's the content we had, and now we can't even get one a week going. Now, but, uh, well, that's just well, life. Yeah. You've got to watch the other sports. Well, you never, you never know what the... Like, this is a podcast, so it's a bit fluid, so we can change the style and the concept however we like it. You never know what it's going to be like going forward. Um, mm. Maybe 20-minute episodes twice a week is something that happens in the future. Who knows? But um, at this stage... In the, in the year, we can enjoy a bit of Christmas. We can uh, pick, uh, work on the podcast. Uh, we've got, like we said, a bit more, a little bit of technology added into it, which should make the, the sound a bit more better in 2020. So that's exciting stuff. But for now, let's get into what's happening at Domo. Well, some say exciting. I want to see your opinion on this. Will Hopawati extends his stay for another season? Another one-year contract extension. That's a few of them have only got the one-year contract extension. But yeah. he's 20, 20 signed to. Uh, he did win the George Proponent, the Dr. George Proponent medal this year. So, uh, best, the best at the Bulldogs this year. What's your thoughts on that signing? So, what, what year is that for? Next year? So, he's out of the next year. So, his contract was expiring at the end of next year, or at the end of 2020 season. So, he's got another additional song. Some of that. One more year. Yeah. He had a, he had a really great year this year. His performances were tolerably amazing. But I, I've said on the podcast previously that he's the type of player that I would like go to uh, to bring in some stars from uh, the recruitment side of things. Um, so yeah, that's my opinion. I think about the um, out, the outside backs. We need like a strike. It would be nice to have a strike center like a like a Josh Morris like we used to have. Make it something. We Need some impact and some speed out there. Yeah, it just feels like we've got this Nick Mini, a speed star, but he doesn't seem to make his own room. We have to, it's going to be made for him. We, I know our hearts are a little bit inexperienced. Uh, so, interesting. I hope Awadi's not the quickest. He's definitely, uh, probably be up there as one of the slowest outside backs, I think, the comp. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Anyway. All right, let's move along. Yeah. So, Britt, 
Yes, so Dean Britt, uh, officially, uh, finally, he popped in before. He's had the photo before, but he's had his first interview with the, the club, uh, talking about how he used to be a Bulldogs fan as a child, which is no surprise to anyone with uh, his the uh, Britt last name, Darren, being his father. His father also, he said that his father had not, not much influence whatsoever coming to the Bulldogs. He wanted to be his decision only. For, uh, so he didn't want to. Uh, his father didn't want to get involved in pushing for the Bulldogs, but he couldn't resist about the opportunity of potentially playing NRL at the Bulldogs, which is too much to resist. Yeah, well, uh, that's the opportunity at our club at the moment, isn't it, for younger players to come across and uh, really make a name for yourself in the NRL because uh, the depth of our squad's not quite there at the moment, so they can really force their way in and make a name for themselves where on other teams. They might be fringe first-grade players. So hopefully he comes across and has some great performances, but it's good to hear that he's happy to be at the club. Well, the one thing I was impressed by his interview, actually, was that he said he's not here to play reserve grade. Either. Yeah. And he's using the, the uh, competition for the back row spot. Uh, he, he says he knows it's a tough competition with uh, the back row we do have, but it's one of the extra ones where we do have some good depth in the back row. With uh, uh, when you look at the team with uh, Corey, uh, uh, Joe Stimson, Adam Elliott, Josh Jackson. I did say Jacko. It was my first time, Jacko. Oh, okay. the first one was Jacko. You so say you look at those. Yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of second rowers. Yeah, all second rowers. And but he said he's using that to try to. Um, he's really pushing. He's going to push them. If they're going to get a top grade spot, he, they bet over him. They better be training hard. We better be pushing themselves over him, which is good. There's a bit of competition in a back row position. It doesn't hurt anyone. Makes a bit of hunger for the spots, and he's really hungry for a spot by the looks of it. Alrighty, what's next on the list? Well, I was just wondering if we want to go over. We did get a uh, direct message on Twitter from our regulars. He's usually made a voice. He's usually done the voice for us, but he's only he's this week he's done a direct message. Uh, yes, yeah, so try to saw us. Well, we'll just jump into that. Uh, yeah, well, it's actually it's actually interesting because it's something that we were kind of discussing um, about talking about on this podcast earlier in the week. Um, yeah. Off field situations, and then this message come through. Well, I saw it today, um, so it kind of ties in with all that. So we'll get, I'll get you to read out the message, and then we can talk about what we're going to talk about, and that sort of add that sort of into the mix. Yeah, that sounds good. This is the message for everyone. Is it just me, or do the Bulldogs feel more distant, or distant from their fans than a couple of years ago? So that's the message. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I'm going to jump in straight away here and say I think he's on the mark. Uh, I don't know exactly what he means by a couple of years, but back when uh, Todd Greenberg was the CEO of the Bulldogs, uh, I felt like he had a an outreach to the fans and you felt and the members and you felt uh, really a part of it and I think we've lost that under the um, CEO-ship of Raylane Castle and obviously Andrew Hill's been in the job for the last what 12 months 14 months something like that I could have been um, I thought it might have been shorter than that but after the World yeah, Cup um, after the World Cup so 2017 so December 2017 he came yeah. in so, so, approaching um, two years. So, yeah, I don't think it's an Edward Hills uh, problem. I think it was a problem that 
happened underneath under Raylan Castle, where, in my opinion, the club made a lot of bad decisions <clears throat> and um, became distant from the fans. So, uh, if you want an example of um, how I read earlier, if you want an example of how a, a professional sporting club should interact with its fans on social media and through a marketing perspective. Uh, jump on Twitter. I'll just pull it up now. I think I had it. Uh, at Gareth Walker, who is a UK-based journalist, has uh, done a story on the Warrington Wolves and what they've done in the past 12 months as far as off-field marketing, social media, engagement and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they're, they're ramping it up for next year. So um, if you read oh, that article, exciting. it's a great read. And um, the Bulldogs should uh, take... Take some notes, I reckon. Well, let's... Can we just go back a few years under Todd Greenberg? Mm. So he, under, uh, he gets a lot of hate on Twitter at the moment, but we'll go back when he was loved at the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, we'll just go back. We'll just let's leave our opinion of the side of his NRL CEO job, but we'll just go Bulldogs CEO only. He's at the Bulldogs. I remember them... I remember almost on a weekly... Oh, no, it might have been weekly, but... He was there always on TV constantly, getting the Bulldogs brand out. He was constantly um, easy access for media. Easy access to, for fans, too. I yeah. remember chatting to him at game days. Yeah, and there was times where I actually remember when he actually tweeted a photo to him when he was sitting there, actually. <laughs> well, in the away game against South Sydney, and he was actually, he you could just see him, and he popped up and we took a photo, he took a photo of him. He just went, shoop, tweeted it to him, and he actually retweeted it. And then he's like, I think he said something about maybe next time a better shot because you got the side of his head. Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, he, a a, seemed, he seemed to be in a pretty serious conversation, so I took a photo and sent it to him on Twitter. He was about 20 minutes away from us, I think. And I think he yeah. wrote back a message saying, yeah. come say hi next time. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe, maybe I just said something about better. But I remember the footy show. We go back to the footy show and Michael Slater was on the footy show. And uh, I think it was about when Todd Greenberg was just about to, his time was running towards an end. And uh, he was up there and they took him back, what Todd Greenberg does on a game day, even on a away game day, what he was basically doing. He ran through one of his games. So it was like a game day point of view from a CEO's point of view. Yeah. How they feel before a game and stuff like that. And he walked up and um, Michael Slater, he walked up with Todd Greenberg and he went to the Bulldogs away section, which was that reserved seats members where they sit onto level four at ANZ Stadium. And he was like, if you think Todd Greenberg's doing a great job, just give us a cheer. And the raw what he got from the Bulldogs fans up there was amazing. It was like they scored a try for one. And there's that connection he had on Twitter, easy access. I remember he constantly Q&As. And it was actually not even just Q&As. Like he would respond to a lot of in general. Um, yeah, he still does that with his NRL job. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he turned, he turned yeah, the club into... Probably at a better rate. He, he took the club and turned us into the highest uh, average crowds in New South Wales. Um, uh, the brand was one of the biggest in Australian sport at the time there. That's that's diminished a little bit. Uh, oh, I think he he ran through successful lot. periods uh, on and off the field. First of all, he... We, what was our crowd average? It was about 23,000? Yeah, it was quite up there. I think we're, I'll pull it up. We'll, we'll keep talking. I'll just pull it up. But you can take a look and actually see the, the drop in uh, crowd averages while we, while we wait. Um, 
but yeah, like it's little bit. Well, I think the we come to a point where you got to ask the question with the situation that we're currently in. Uh, what should the club do, or how can what how can the club re-engage its fans on a level that will make the fans feel connected to the club and not so distant again? So what could the club do? I think they could up their social media game. I feel like the Twitter handle and our Bulldogs is just it's more like a news service at the moment. There's not mm-hmm. much interaction and engagement with their fans or members. Um, I feel like the membership t- team's doing a pretty good job. Um, take some tips from South Sydney. I think I see South Sydney riling up their own fans with um, the Book of Feuds four days out from a game and all that sort of stuff, really building up the games as events. Um, yeah, Q&A sessions is good as well. I think one's coming up in December. Um, but yeah, just try to interact with the fan on that, on that basic level. It, does, it doesn't even cost money these days with social media. Mm, yeah, social media is like the free advertisement. Uh, the thing what I really like is um, they actually, when the Roosters announced they had 13,000, uh, I think it was like 13,000 members, some of yeah. that, replied back, that's cute, we're on 20, it was like 20-something thousand. I thought, oh, like wolf cut. Like just a nice, I don't, a bit of a banner against the other clubs. That's that's um, what you need, though. Fans will jump on top of that and start engaging with both pages because of that. And uh, discussion will flow from that. People will feel more connected to the clubs. Even if the club starts replying to individual uh, users on Twitter as well during those discussions, obviously they can't do too much and push the boundaries too far. Um, but mm. a little like here and a... a you know, cheeky emoji there. I think we've got a long way to re-engaging fans on social media. No, I definitely I agree. But uh, I like to think that well, I've seen some of the replies as well. Like, there's been a few issues. I think some people are or curious about the uh, membership for next year. Uh, I, you said I think you think the membership team is doing a good thing. I don't think they're actually doing good enough. Well, I meant more. I meant more from the side of once you've. You've got your membership, they look after you. Oh, Are yeah. they selling enough memberships? That's another question. But that goes back to your engagement. If you're going to sell more memberships, if people feel connected to the club, that they matter to the club, and they're engaged with the club. I was just thinking that, yeah, the engagement of the club, but I was just thinking, last year we had a little, a little tally of how many members we've got. Yeah. We do not, we, like, we don't wish to disclose any information on how many members we've got. We've had it open for the last, this year's 2019 members already. That's just been open for new members to join the club. I've seen no advertisement for really advertisement for it. They haven't even made like a video or some sort of thing, what members mean to the club. They haven't done any fan video. They haven't done a player actually even saying, hey, come become a member. I remember in 2010, maybe 2009, was there, there was that panda on the loose. Video, what was quite silly but quite funny at the same time. Uh, there was videos last year where they uh, released videos of what it means to be in a Bulldogs jersey and all that. They've just seen that no one's or someone's forgotten to actually do some work at the head HQ, or they're all working for themselves and not working as a team in the office. Like they all link with each other. The, like you said, the inter- better interaction with social media. 
you have, the more connection to the club and the social media department would uh, usually transfer in sales, which would help the sales team being membership or corporate sales or the merchandise sales, having that link. But it feels like there's no connection from social media and then there's just, we're not hearing anything from the membership team. What are we sitting at? Are we sitting at 10,000 members or are we sitting at 2,000 members for next year? Yeah, well, that's a bit of, that's a concern, isn't it? That we're not getting updates. It makes it sound like we're not selling anything. Um, but, yeah. yeah, look, at the end of the day, though, the club starts winning and all of a sudden it fixes a lot of problems, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, club starts winning and everyone feels connected again. So, you know, you don't want to be too harsh on well, the team. But is, is there areas where they could be doing better? I think so. I think you look at other teams, I mean, like South Sydney, I think is probably the leaders of social media in the NRL. Uh, at Melbourne the moment, Storm, it, I think Melbourne Storm Melbourne just won an award for all their social media. Yeah, but uh, you look at their home games and stuff like that. I just pulled up the actual, I found the crowd averages, by the way. I pulled them up, but I'll talk about that in a second. But you look at that sort of engagement, but then you go to home games. What do the Bulldogs actually do, apart from the actual game, to make it worth a night out or an afternoon out of footy? Yeah. Can you tell me one thing they do? Like, it's sports, sports entertainment, isn't it? I think yeah. if you go back to read that article about the Warrington Wolves, Warrington Wolves, sorry. Um, no, Warrington Wolves, I was right the first time. The Warrington Wolves, um, they um, make every single game an event, one way or another, so... Um, I think that's what we need to do. Look at the yeah, like... look at the Warrington Wolves. Look at the Melbourne Storm, South Sydney. Um, Roosters on social media are pretty good, even though they're lacking in probably game day. Um, Actually, you just I need to look. So... Just need to look around, see what uh, which way sports going in the modern world. Look at Toronto, even like yeah, we don't want crowds of nine thousand turning up for the Bulldogs. Nine thousand for Toronto is great, but we could take some tips. Um, from to what Toronto are doing to get 9,000 people in three years, you know, for a level of football that's below the Super League. So um, I think that's a success. We need to see what they're doing, take what they're doing. I would actually say the Roosters actually home game. I've been to a few Roosters home games this year, uh, but I actually would say their home game experience is probably a much better experience than the Bulldogs one, straight away. Even, well, and they got, they're competing with the SCG as the venue. Yeah, but they've got a serious problem with crowd numbers. Oh, yeah, they've got a serious problem with crowd numbers, but when it comes to engaging the fans and actually entertainment on the actual game day, they feel like it's more of an event. It feels like there's something for everyone in the events department. They get the crowd engaged at half-time. They keep the thing. Like, I remember what back in 2011, we'll go 2010, that we used to have uh, dance camps. Uh, we used to have birthdays on the big screen where we actually individually went through birthdays that was pretty cool you yeah. had to watch that there was um, I don't know the, when the plat- shirts shooting into the crowd jersey giveaways shoots, jersey giveaways alright we'll move on with this episode now but before we do we talked about the crowd averages of the club dropping in the last few years and we've got the breakdown here yeah. so, so um, according to the rugby league project so if you like rugby league, you should check this out and donate. Um, this year, we've averaged 12,861 people. 12,861. How low does that sound? But you only and that includes Magic Weekend in Brisbane? Yes, that includes the, the Brisbane home game, which 
hit us around 20-odd thousand, I think was the official count for the end of our game. But you look at it, you go back to 2015, we had a crowd average of 20,774. There's 8,000 people. Like, where have they gone? Um, but anyway, you look back, we had 15,000. And then you go back only two years prior to that, 2013, 21,000. 2012, 22,972. So that's almost 23,000. The year before that, 2011 was 19,000. 19,000, 2010. So there have been years we didn't make the finals and still hit 19,000. So we've lost an average. We've lost 11,000 people in, mm. what, six years? Well, it sits at 21 in 2009. We're going to go back. And there's high fifth, there's mid fifth, um, like mid teens, high teens, long while, long while. Pretty much since 2003, all the way to 2013, we were either at least uh, 15,000 or higher. And then we've got the last few years where we're sitting. There's been 12,000 this year and 14,000 last year. So it's gone down two years in a row. Uh, so, so yeah, the, well, part of that is on-field performance, but obviously part of that is um, obviously the event itself to lose. Yeah, I think six, in six years we've lost eleven thousand people from our crowds on our, our on our average crowds. So that's, that's that's a lot if you put that across twelve games or ten games. You know, that's um, you know a hundred thousand people over the course of a season. So that's disappointing. But all right. Well, so quick, if you look at quickly 2010, 19, 19 and a half thousand people. 2010, yeah. we missed the finals. We had a pretty average season, 2010. And in 2008, when we came, we got, uh, I think we got the spoon in 2008. Yeah, we did get the wooden spoon in 2008. That horrendous 2008 year. 15,907. So yes, losses hurt. They contribute a, a problem. Approximately about five to seven thousand, but the events department, I think, contributes the other half of the people missing. Yeah, which is what we just said. All right, yeah. moving on to the but I was just highlighting it. And this week we've got Latrell, Latrell Mitchell again, still hasn't signed up uh, for a club, and the West Tigers today have pulled out of the signature for Latrell. What do you think of that? Well, I think a big miss for the Tigers. A really good marketing opportunity. But, however, they wanted an answer. But isn't Latrell still contracted to the Roosters next year? He is. So he's but, still got um, a club? He's been told by the Roosters that he, he can leave. Well, but There's also been stories that if he doesn't leave, he'll be playing for the Bears next year. Well, I mean, good pick-up for the Bears. I bet you Jason Howard's <laughs> sitting there going, come on, withdraw everyone, withdraw everyone. Uh, however, like, I mean, the Cowboys are probably gone, yes. I mean, he's... Asking prices probably dropped dramatically now because like, the West Tigers is like the only team, the team with money or who had potential had money for 2021 at the very least to start off with was us, the West Tigers. They both pulled out. So what's the left with? South, 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 South still get it. Greg Burgess. South is still waiting for the confirmation. Of, like the Sam Burgess thing might not be cleared to mid next year, they reckon, for medical retirement. So South are now sitting without with Limbo, so they might not be able to offer him anything. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they'll sort it out. South City, a well-run business that um, gets what they want, so I'm sure they'll be able to sort it out, just like when GI was going over the Broncos and ended up at South. South gets things done. 
And um, well, we used to be the club well, that got things done. Yeah, that was. Um, but Brad just put his reporting with the Pugs, but we're offering him a million a year on high nine hundred Western million. Could you now go up to him and give him like eight fifty? No, I pretty much put him on the roosters. Latrell Mitchell. Well, I've heard Latrell Mitchell was on his lowest. Hundred thousand at the roosters. How much? Um, because he's still at his first deal. Uh, how that's how the roosters. That's how the roosters managed to sell out. Didn't hit the figure. How much? Just... Three hundred thousand. Three hundred. Okay. I didn't hit the figure. Because he's still Three on hundred. his first. He's still on his first professional deal. From the. So Because could... the Roosters and Melbourne Storm will sign young players up for long periods of time, and that's how they end up with superstars. Well, that's how they're going to end up with Billy Smith taking over the the Roosters. Yeah, they'll have a superstar try way to sign him, sign him to a long term deal on a small amount of money. Yes, but I'm talking about in average to a superstar, and in two years' time, he could be the best centre in the game, worth a million dollars on 200000 That's not That's, no, that's how, what I'm saying. He's the potential of being the next biggest centre, Billy Smith, and he's going to be on... They're going to sign him up in the off-season, probably, to a longer deal on a really cheap deal before he's only played any games, because they, they would only say, you've only played, what, like a handful of top-grade games. Yeah, so and he'll I'll, be happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm agreeing. That I'm saying that he's going to sign a deal like a couple, at least like two or three years on top of his contract on a really cheap deal. And then he's going to most likely. But but back to Latrell, I think wherever he ends up, he'll be on a million dollars a year. He'll get what he wants. Oh wow, that's a bit cool. I reckon now when you've got teams pulling out, if I'm like the Cowboys, I'd be lowering my offer to like six hundred to see if yeah, anyone else fights. You you you're taking what is being reported as the gospel. And we all know that what gets reported and what actually is going on is very often two or three very oh, different things. So yeah, um, we don't know the situation behind the Tigers or what's going on. They've just tried to sign at a car now as well. Rumors that he's going to leave Melbourne because he wants to be back in Sydney. Uh, so you never know what happens. Latrell Mitchell might end up at Melbourne. Who knows? Um, it might end up in Toronto or who knows. It might end up in Japanese rugby union or whatever. But he'll end up with his million dollar a year deal, I'm sure. Okay. I was more referring to NRL. I'd be first Cowboys. I'd be lowering that offer dramatically now. Well, apparently, from reports, the Cowboys are not dropping their offer, but still reckon they can afford him. Yeah, they'll be releasing, I think, a few of their own plays. Just Jake Randall at this stage. Jake Randall, yeah. and they've just signed a, a young hooker from St. George, Illawarra, who's earmarked as the best hooker outside of the NRL uh, on a smaller deal. So, what about, we're talking um, about those small deals, but I don't know if the if it's smart to have four players on a million dollars in one club. Oh, I don't think so. But what about the Titans as a destination spot for? I, I can't see him going to the Titans. Not even a switch with Jared Wallace? Well, the the talk is a switch with Jai Arrow. Oh, um, sorry, sorry. I, I get Now, I don't think Latrell Mitchell will go to the Titans. I don't think he's, he'll fit up there. Uh, I won't work for the Titans, and it won't work for Latrell. I don't think. Well, man, we need to be pretty confident they could get him. Well, they have to be. <laughs> if you're running a club, that's what you want to push out to your fans. That 
this is what we want, and we're confident of getting what we want. And then the third step, actually getting what you want. Titans haven't really done much of the third step lately, have they? No, that's what I'm saying. Very confident yeah. for a team that can't get anyone. So Jay Arrow plays the one who's going to switch to come to Sydney, apparently. Apparently his wife's Well, that's the reports. Mitchell yeah. to... Mitchell to uh, Gold Coast and Arrow to South. Well, that'd be funny if it was a complete switch south. that Arrow has to play centre and Mitchell has to play lock. That'd be funny. Well, South would have to get the um, the OK from the NRL as well with the medical retirements. So we don't know what will happen, but we'll try Mitchell stays in the news. You got anything else for this week, Scott? No, that's pretty much it until another fortnight. <laughs>